Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Legal Tech Tapas, the podcast that brings you bite-sized summaries of the latest legal technologies with me, your host, Andrew Jardine. This week on the show, we're talking about one of the first disruptive technologies to be introduced to lawyers, that is document automation. And it's a technology which many lawyers are now fairly familiar with, but still not all have adopted. For that, we'll be learning about Clarilis and how they are approaching doc automation in their own way, as well as speaking with James Quinn, Clarilis CEO, to get his thoughts. In a nutshell, doc automation tools are really exactly what they sound like. They allow the automated generation of usually complex contracts to be done in a semi-automated way so that you can draft complex documents in less time, but also importantly, reduce the risk of making errors in drafting. Usually this is done by asking a user to complete a questionnaire about their business situation. The application can then take the data they enter and all those responses to create a tailored document from an existing template or set of standard clauses. This tech tends to get used in two typical ways. At one end of the spectrum, supporting the drafting of really time-consuming documents like share purchase agreements or syndicated loan agreements, where simply changing a single defined term, company name or pronoun can result in hundreds of changes throughout the document. Alternatively, for very simple documents like NDAs, it can allow you to make those kind of documents self-service, reducing business friction for people in the business. To some of you listening, that might have been old news. Solutions like Hot Docs and Contract Express have been on the market for a little while. So, you know, what is Clarilis doing differently that sets it apart? Well, principally, Clarilis differs in its approach by having its interface organized around a transaction rather than a single required document like other solutions are. This means that Clarilis can be used to automate a whole suite of documents needed for a matter in one fell swoop. Technically, that is something you could achieve with other tools, but given the way they are organized, it's just a lot more complicated and difficult to do. One further differentiator that Clarilis is keen to emphasize is their managed service, which comes packaged with the software subscription. In this, the Clarilis team of lawyers provides professional services to do the full contract automation setup and ongoing maintenance. All you have to do is share your existing contract templates and information on how you want the automation to work, then they can work back from that and do everything for you. This offering is useful not because setting up doc automation is always super technically difficult to do. In reality, most systems now are fairly user-friendly, even for lawyers. It's useful because setting up tools like these can be organizationally difficult, requiring collaboration between different teams and an investment of time to set up some of the more complex automation sequences. And realistically, lawyers are always going to prioritize their time for client work. And so just want an out-of-the-box solution, which is exactly what Clarilis can offer 
with its managed services. Now that you've heard what I have to say about Claralis, let's hear a little bit more directly from the source. Let's bring onto the show James Quinn, Claralis CEO. Hey, James, welcome to the show. Really good to have you on. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, so from the difficulty getting you into the calendar, I would hazard a guess to say that you've, you've been pretty busy throughout lockdown. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a lot going on and, and, and certain, certainly now more than, more than ever. We're kind of mid-fundraise mid um, and we'll have some announcements soon on that. But just general activity with clients is, um, is incredible at the moment. So, uh, so yeah, plenty going on. Okay, fantastic. I mean, that sounds like it's a very good kind of busy. Um, but let's get right into the thick of it. I would love to know how you came to start Chiralis. You know, what's that story? And also, we like to learn a little bit about the man or woman behind the machine on the show. So if you have any interesting personal facts, we very much welcome those too. Sure, yeah. So, so let me... Let me um start off by telling a little bit about myself and the, and the, and the path. So as, as probably you'd expect, given your, your previous guests, the, I, I trod the, the standard path into legal tech in that I started off as a, as a lawyer. So I um, trained and qualified and practiced at a um, firm in the UK, uh, Slaughter and May. I was, a, I was a corporate tax lawyer. And um, I really enjoyed that. I, I loved practicing law. And you know, had had no intention to do anything else, but the allure or the or the pull of entrepreneurship was was too strong for me. And so, uh, when we had uh, deregulation of legal services in the in the UK, um, so alternative business structure law firms where non lawyers can own parts of law firms, I got together with my my brother, who's our CTO at Claralis, and we set up one of the first um, new type of law firms. Um, in the UK, and the idea was and, and still is that that the service delivery to the to the clients was traditional, in that the clients wouldn't notice, but the the engine room behind or and for delivery of legal services was entirely driven by by technology. So that was really the genesis of the idea, and we still own that firm. It has completely separate offices to Claralis and and um, separate staffing. Um, but that's where it all started. And actually, no intention to take that to the market at all. It was only when the large firms that we were working with with and against in the marketplace started to inquire how we were delivering you know, large suites of documents in, in such short timelines that they, when we talked to them about it, they asked to, to license the technology. Could we develop an enterprise version and license it to them? And, and after a number of them had come to us and said that, then we, we eventually cottoned on and said, actually, there's an there's an idea here. We should take this to the market, um, and we did that with our with our fellow director um, John Lilly. So that's that's kind of how how it all happened. All, all kind of um, happy accident, as it were, rather rather than strategic plan. But certainly, it was our, our customers that procured that we're we're here today. Um, I was thinking about the fun fun fact um, that I could that I could bring bring with me today. Um, this is where you start to reflect on your life. And wish that you'd kind of applied or auditioned for Eurovision or um, or, or uh, done something equally outrageous. But I, I suppose one, one thing more recent that that people wouldn't necessarily know about me is that um, I'm I'm acquiring a new skill at the moment, which is to be a to be a farmer. 
which is n- not unique, funnily enough, in in legal tech, but but uh, certainly not not next door um, to what you'd expect for for a CEO of a legal tech. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because um, we had Tim Pullen of Thought River on the show, and he also, I think, had a stint as a, a bee farmer. I wonder if there is some secret sauce in farming that leads you to have a successful career in legal tech. I don't know. It's a it's a winning. It's definitely a winning combination. So in my, in my case, <laughs> yeah. it's beef cattle farming, and I've you know I've reached the, the the lofty heights of incompetence. I think in my in my skill so far, but I, I happen to been lucky enough to come into a farm in in the uh, in the west of Ireland. So um, it's a, it's a nice contrast to to legal tech being you know in the middle of a field in your in your wellies. Uh, so James, I'm curious. You said that you started a law firm, and that is what led to you forming a legal tech business. How long did it take you to realize that your true calling was actually legal tech and not maintaining the law firm? Well, we were running, um, we were running the law firm for three years um, before we, we created Claralis and that, that kind of effectively span out and then, and then developed its own software. So it was really, I mean, it, looking back, it seemed obvious in that we're, we're boutique um, corporate firm who developing software for a limited number of lawyers that could be used by a very large number of lawyers, and so it it seems very obvious, but it actually took our customers to come to us and point that out to us <laughs> rather than rather than us having that in the in the grand plan. So yeah, it was three years between between starting the law firm and then um, Claralis being born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think not unusual for for companies to be born out of experience whilst forming different companies. I know. The most famous example of that probably is Slack. They, uh, I think they were building a computer game when they came up with the idea of Slack and, and went on to great things from there. Um, so James, I've, I've given my perspective on Clearless in the show, although you know, my opinion probably doesn't carry much weight anyway. Uh, so maybe it's best to get your view. Can we hear the elevator pitch on Clearless from you? Sure, yeah, sure. Happy, happy, happy to do that. So um, let me sum up Claralist then. It's, it's the combination of a document automation platform that we've developed entirely in-house and a managed service. So we help people select the right um, suites of documents to automate. We design, implement. We have three testing teams. We deliver, and then we maintain automation on behalf of our clients going forward. So we really are the, the solution to document automation rather than the toolkit. We work with um, law firms and in-house counsel. We're dominated by, by UK international firms, um, but we also are making great strides in, in Ireland and, and Singapore and a selection of other um, uh, firms and, and in-house counsel worldwide, but we're strongest in, in Singapore, Ireland and the, and the UK. What we're known for in the marketplace um, is being particularly strong on complex precedent automation or, or drafting automation. So if you've got something which is um, particularly involved where there's a, a good reason to go deep into the automation or it's a very broad suite of documents, then that's where people rely on Claralist to deliver for them. Um, in terms of the platform itself, uh, our, our differentiator is that our platform really understands legal. So when you're implementing a particular project, our, our system out of the box understands you know, rules of construction, it understands how legal documents are put together, 
um, execution options, what definitions are for, boilerplates, all of those things are inherent in the system, which gives it really great structure, but also helps you to to minimize the time that you're spending implementing. And, and often implementation can be a big barrier to getting a return on these, these, um, these projects. We also look at automation in a very different way in that we don't start with a document and then look to fill gaps and include or exclude paragraphs. We actually start by modeling a transaction. So if you're buying or selling a business um, or if you're intent on suing somebody or transferring a property, that is a, a set of facts or circumstance which our system is very good at modeling overall. And then we take that pool of data and we then can use it for any purpose, but typically we're applying it to generate the entire suite of documents that you need to get you to your destination. So on, a, on an M&A transaction, we produce every single piece of paper that you need in order to complete that, that deal. So that's the tech. And then we've got a very large implementation team. Um, so there's 50 plus of us, including some um, a great team of professional support lawyers. So our, so our professional support lawyers have on average more than 15 years post-qualification experience. So they're really at the top of their game and they lead our implementation teams for our clients and all of the all of the communication between us and our clients is lawyer to lawyer. So there's no nothing lost in translation. And then finally I'll probably finish off with the commercial model in that we we guarantee um, the successful implementation and delivery of all these projects and there's no variable cost. It's all done on a on a fixed license fee. There's no professional services and there's no charge for any level of maintenance after um, after launch. So we, we, we're pretty unique in being the solution to document automation rather than one of the pieces. Okay. Um, so James, I was going well, to follow up and ask you, you know, what is the, the thing that sets Clarilis apart from, from your competitors? But I think you mentioned a number of the things in your dialogue there. Uh, one was that your... You know, really focused on the entire transaction, not a specific document. Uh, the other was that you have a managed service that helps people to set up the automation without doing it themselves. So there were quite a few things that you mentioned. If you had to pick one of them, which is the most important one that you think customers really see as your single key differentiator? I think it's the the the, the depth and complexity of of the automations that we we deliver. Um, the, it's really important for us to differentiate because there are a, a really large number of document automation companies out there. And, and certainly if you want to automate an NDA, I could probably recommend a hundred techs for you to use that would all broadly achieve the, you know, the, the end position that you're looking for. So really what our clients would say is, is complexity. And then they would probably say that, that, um, we have the managed service to back that up. That's that's two, which is not allowed. But um, <laughs> slip that last one in there. Okay, I'll uh, I'll let that slide. Um, James, it sounds like Clarilis is expanding, you know, pretty aggressively in Europe, and I'm sure you have global uh, dreams as well. But that speedy expansion comes with both its highs and lows. So, I'd be interested to hear from you. Two of those stories: one high, one low. What's a great customer story you have and what's a less great one where you perhaps haven't had things go perfectly for you, but you've still learned a lot through the process? Sure. So let me, let me start on the positive. Always good to start on the positive. So um, one, one of the firms that we work with, and they won't mind me saying, is, is um, TLT in the, in the UK. They're a great firm, 
very quick to move and very forward looking. Uh, they um, heard about Claralis, we went to see them and they, they adopted Claralis in one department for particular suites of documents. And that was that was a great start. And, and one thing that we're very strong on is going back to clients and, and reporting on a continual basis the return they're receiving from um, from Claris to make sure that it matches up to the business case or their assumptions before they before they did. So we went back and, and um, evaluated that project and that led to other departments wanting to use Claralis. And so we spread out um, very quickly from a single department to, to multiple departments in that firm. And now we're in the whole firm. So, so everybody um, is using Claralis within that firm across a wide variety of documents. And so it's a, it's a really good kind of example of us going in and proving that we, we actually do deliver getting a return on investment and then spreading out from there. But then further to that, now that we, we are established in the, in the firm, through their, um, the TLT Future Law program, we are now a partner of TLT and we help their clients. So this is clients of the law firm to, to realize the benefits of automation as well. So going to in-house counsel and um, solving their document automation problems alongside TLT, which is working very well. So as a growth story within an individual client, that's been, that's been really great for us. Um, on the on the negative side, and we we've learnt we've learnt an awful lot of lessons along the way, and our our processes and ways of working are are now pretty developed. But um, one one of the um, I suppose numpty mistakes that we made early on is that if a client comes to us and um, is super keen to to use Claralist for a particular um, area within the firm or particular suites of documents, then um, we used to just take that on faith. So there's a particular project that I'm that I'm thinking of that um, the firm were very keen to do it. They were sure that everybody would love it and that it would have high use. And so we we um, helped them to, to bring that to life, launched it, and it, it turned out that actually the document suite wasn't used as often as they thought. Um, or uh, also there was another set of documents which hadn't been automated, which were used as an alternative, which some people preferred as well. And so what we had done is taken, you know, taken it on faith that this would be a uh, the right project for the firm to to go ahead with, and not gone through our standard process. And so now we're we're in a position whereby when firms come to us with um, individual automation projects, we will go through an evaluation process, and we will often say, actually, you're in our opinion, this this project is being done in the wrong order, or this project shouldn't be done at all. Um, and that sounds slightly counterintuitive when somebody's saying we want to license your system and we're saying we don't think you should. But in this, in legal tech in particular, it's all it's all about reputation. So we would rather turn projects down and and do the right projects for our clients because uh, you know, there's so much referencing that goes on of of our system and our approach when we onboard a new client that we would we would rather um, uh, do less projects but do the right ones and do them in the right order. So that was certainly a, a lesson for us. Does that mean you're turning down you know, maybe the simpler automation projects? Because you mentioned that Claralist is really great for the complex, difficult ones. It's, it's not necessarily relating to complexity. So you could have a really complicated document um, that's being drafted by really senior people in the firm, but that it's missing a piece of the puzzle. So you only do it once a year, for example, or um, the, the, it's so bespoke. The drafting, and so there's not a case for automation there. So there's there's a number of pieces of the puzzle which need to be there in order to make it a successful project. So there's how many you're doing, how much time are you going to save 
for you know by automating the the document and and whose time are you going to save is a factor as well because if you're producing quite a high volume but you have somebody extremely junior doing it then although it's improving their life the business case may not stack up for for licensing a technology so it tends to be um looking at all of the pieces of the puzzle and saying look um we think one of these are missing and and if you if you know if we're wrong then that's great we should we should go ahead but um but actually, there are other projects which we've also analysed, which should come first. Great to hear that you're having those honest conversations with your customers, because I don't think everyone does that, to be honest. I mean, you would hope they do, but in reality, I think some vendors perhaps, you know, would just take that that deal and not always have the honest conversation. Yeah, and and if you weren't in such a such a tight knit community, you might get away with that for a while. But I think if we were to foist our our technology onto a firm where it wasn't appropriate for them to use it and they're not going to have a good time then um, they're not going to have a nice experience and they're going to tell everybody else that they haven't had a good experience as well so it's it's all about um, and, and genuinely rather than rather than any, any kind of pitching it's all about matching what we do really well with what people need and there's enough firms out there in in-house counsel that there's plenty of market in our in our sweet spot to to um, take advantage of that okay very wise uh, James, it's been a, a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for taking the time to tell us a bit more about Chlorellus. No, it's great. Thanks, thanks, Andrew. And keep up the good work. I've enjoyed listening to these um, these podcasts over the over the last few months. So, um, um, so uh, really enjoyed them. Thanks very much. It can be seen from how the market has developed that doc automation tools are probably best suited for use by lawyers practicing at law firms. And Clarilis is no different in that respect. It's not to say that there are no use cases at in-house teams, there definitely are. Just that the highest value use cases, like repeat corporate transactions, are more frequently handled by outside counsel. And although Clarilis is more than capable of supporting large firms as well as medium-sized firms, it might appeal a little bit more to the medium-sized firms as a result of the package consulting services. Medium-sized firms might find this attractive because they do not necessarily have the internal resources they need to dedicate to the design, build, and maintenance of doc automation system. That's everything for this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. I certainly enjoyed making it. Until the next episode.